Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. We've been in a, uh, a three-week series on the church without walls, and last week was our spiritual life outside of the church from Ephesians chapter 6. This week, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4 and also take uh, from the Lord's Prayer on the 23rd Psalm. One of the things that I felt a real need for and I felt the Lord speaking to me to share with you was are the interior of our soul and taking care of our soul in the days and the times in which we live. And so uh, I want to share with you today, I believe, some insight from God's Word that will help and encourage you and provide a way for us to have our soul restored rather than Running on empty all the time. How many know what I'm talking when I say running on empty? You know what I'm talking about, yes. Um, <clears throat> if some of you can read this from the first couple of rows, and what's that say? What's the title? Running on empty. Some of you get it way back there. You're really good. Okay. Running on empty. When we run on empty, all the that results because all the margins in our life are absolutely filled. And as I put this together, I, I put it in size 8 font. I could have put it in size 6 font because if you're running on empty, you're trying to squeeze everything in all the time. But believe it or not, these are also all in caps and they're all bold. And when we run on empty, everything just seems important and it becomes overwhelming. Anxiety has a way of ruling our hearts. And these running on empty um, has a way of eroding our soul. Our soul has been made in the image of God. And it's in our soul that he's created us to be, to have a sense of well-being and for peace. And a lot of times running on empty means that we have uh, I call it Nehemiah times. There are times in life when we have a sword in one hand and a trowel in another. But even Nehemiah only did that for 54 days. How many know you can't make a living with a sword in one hand and a trowel in another? And then sometimes we find ourselves in with responsibilities that just come with a job that we have no choice in or perhaps in our family things have run amok and our dreams and expectations for them and our hopes of looks like they're being dashed and they're being shattered. And they have a way of eroding our souls. And when we run on empty, all the margins are taken. God has a better way and the scripture says that he restores our soul. Can everyone see, can you in the front see that he restores our soul? Let me tell you the difference. This is in 12 font. I can read 12 font. How about you? Eight and six get really difficult for me. But this is no longer, this is no longer in bold. And there's actually paragraphs that are here. The margins are set at one inch 
Uh, now, my, uh, my Word doc uh, puts them at one and a quarter inch. I can't stand one and a quarter inch margins, by the way. So, uh, yeah, I have to have an inch. But, uh, but this is normal life where God restores our soul. And there's paragraphs and in, there's time for indents and there's time to close a paragraph and open another one. And the last paragraph is just a series of Zs for rest. And then there's a lot, big margin at the very bottom. This is what God has for us. And I want to share with you today from God's Word some things that we can do. We might not be able to, ch- to change the situation that we're in, but it's so important that we, that we allow time for God to restore our soul rather than running all the time in our own strength. And um, as we unpack God's Word, I trust and I pray that it will minister to your life And I believe it's God's word that he has for us today as a congregation. And so Jesus said these words to to Mary and Martha. He said that Mary has chosen the better part. That was she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. He didn't say that Martha had chosen the bad part because she was serving. But he said the better part was to take time and to honor him and to want to learn from him and be with him. Luke 5.16 said that in the middle of hectic ministry that Jesus himself would often slip away to an alone place or a lonely place or to the wilderness and pray. You know, and it didn't take me very long to figure out that if Jesus needs to get away and be alone to pray, how many think maybe that you and I also need to do that very same thing? Uh, he is the one who walked in the power of the Spirit. He was filled with Spirit, with the Spirit, and with wisdom. I, the word that kept coming to me over and over and over, and I hadn't read about it before, perhaps some of you have, it's a word that just soul care, caring for our soul, caring for our soul. There are seven pillars of that, and, and in, the, in the program this morning, I encourage you to take... Uh, to look at the sermon notes, and you can follow along and uh, fill those out. But there are seven pillars of soul care. If you would imagine the pillars are the things that hold something up, these seven are prayer and silence or solitude, the use of Scripture, soul searching, looking into our soul, allowing God to look into our soul, spiritual friendship, that means having a friend who is a spiritual person and then journaling, and then simplicity. Mother Teresa said, to keep a lamp burning, we need to keep putting oil in it. You and I need to keep putting oil into our soul, or it soon burns out, and we experience burnout. Um, Back in the day, we had old-school advice for people who were new believers and new followers of Jesus Christ, it, when they came, the first thing we say, would say to them is, read your Bible and pray every day, and you'll do what? You'll grow, grow, grow. We actually had a song in Sunday school. That old school advice might be old, but it's still true. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. That's an old fact, but I'm glad it does because it means His mercies are new 
every morning. We're going to look at the book of Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 8. The first few verses I want to read to you are verses 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. The first thing is to receive. Receive. Receive that the Lord is near. I want to encourage you, when the disciples asked Jesus about how to pray, he said to them to get into your prayer closet. The prayer closet is that place that we have where we are alone with God. And I want to encourage you to do it in the morning, the first thing, not the last thing. I call that the smart part of the day. For me, doing devotions at the end of the day, this is for me, is the dumb part of the day. I need to be restored in the morning and at night also. If I'm not restored in the morning, I find that I get up and I'm running with all my strength because there's so many things that need to be done that my strength is depleted and after a long, long, long day, I want to come home and I want to sit in my leather recliner, turn on the, on the remote, and the TV magically comes on and in less than a, a minute and a half, I have totally crashed. I wake up an hour and a half later. I don't know where I am. When I see him in my living room, like, what's on TV what was I watching? I turn off a light, turn off the TV, I stumble down the, down the hallway, and I fall in bed. That's the dumb part of the day for me to say I'm going to do devotions then. I want to do it in the smart time of the day. Benjamin Franklin said this, that the way to see by faith is to shut the eye of reason. When we come into God's presence and we receive that the Lord is near, He is here, He's with us, He's promised to be with us. We have a choice to close our eyes to the reason, to reason that's around us, and open our eyes of faith. Reason will tell us that there are things in our life that will never change. Reason will tell us that they'll only get worse. Reason will tell us that our hopes and dreams for our family that are shattered will never be whole again. But when we close the eye of reason, we embrace the Lord as present with us, we embrace faith. We begin to embrace that the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. The Lord is near. What occasioned this in Philippians, the fourth chapter, Paul had, had he wrote these last few verses and they were dealing with some things in the church. It was a young church and as in all, all of the churches that he wrote to, there was problems. How many know if you have people, you have problems? How many know that? If you want to go to a perfect church, you're not going to find it. If you do, make sure you don't walk through those doors. 
Don't spoil it for everyone else, all right? I mean, that's just, in fact, the Bible says this, the, the, that the manger is clean or the barn is clean where there's no ox. I don't want to call you all oxen, but I mean, that's what the Bible says. When there's people, there's going to be some problems. Someone was telling, uh, sharing with me the other day that someone was on Facebook saying, um, saying that they had a checklist, a checklist, and unless the, they were church shopping, and unless the church met all those things on their checklist that it could do for them, they weren't going to go there. Now, to me, that has no validity unless you first put on Facebook, when I find that church that God leads me to, this is what I'm willing to do. Here's my checklist. I'm willing to be faithful. I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to support that church through serving, through my tithes, my offerings. I'm willing to be part of the calling that God's had. And this is what I bring into this situation. And I, I want a church that will support me in my walk with the Lord. Okay, that's not going anywhere. I'm going to get off that. All right. But the Lord is near. The first fill-in is when the disciples said, teach us to pray, is because they noticed the difference in Jesus' life. He often slipped away in the middle of heavy ministry. And so they said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said this, our Father who is in heaven, He's near to you and to me. His providence, we can rest in it. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 that we've received the spirit of adoption. Once, the Apostle Peter said, once we had no name, once we, we had no family, but now in Christ Jesus, we've received the spirit of adoption. We've been taken in. Can someone say praise God? And we call him Abba Father, which is our daddy. My father just turned 87. My mom just turned 87. They had me when they were 22, so I won't tell you my age. But anyway, at my age, I still enjoy talking with my dad and my mom. And my dad says this so often, I just want you to know we're praying for you. We're praying for you. And when we come to our Heavenly Father, He is the one who exercises providence. And God's Word says he will, he will perfect those things that concern us. And then the Lord, the Lord that's near, is also our shepherd. He is the one who restores my soul. He repairs it. He does spiritual arthroscopic surgery, if you would. He binds it up. He pours in his wine and his oil. He restores it back to what it was supposed to be, and he even leads me in the presence of my foes, and he prepares a banquet before us, even when the margins are so full. The second thing I want to share with you this morning is to pray. Pray. Jesus prayed. Paul wrote in verses 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. Henry Ward Beecher said this, that every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of it with the handle of anxiety or the handle of faith. Solitude. Take time to be alone with God in your prayer closet. Someone has said it's the space between the notes that makes the music. How about that? Someone else has said that loneliness is the poverty of self and solitude is the richness of self. In our world that is so connected and we always have to have something going on and the radio going, the TV going, Facebook, tweeting out, Snapchat, And if we find ourselves in a place where those aren't available, we can become very, very lonely. That's a sure sign for you and for me that when we're all alone and unplugged, that if we get fidgety and it's scary and we want something to happen, that our soul is in deficit. But solitude is being alone. But solitude is when we perceive aloneness with God, just God and us, nothing to interfere. That is a mark of richness of our soul. Loneliness or richness of our soul. Jesus also prayed, Thy kingdom come, which is simplicity. Thy kingdom come, align, surrender, and abandon your life to God. That means that, Lord, we come into your presence. It's just you and me. And I pray, our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth is in heaven. What that does, friends, it's aligning our will with God. It's aligning our heart. It means that we're not bifurcated. Jesus said that no one can serve two masters at one time. And so simplicity of life, some people feel that that means that it means the reduction in things. And it it can be, although I've watched one of the reality shows, they have these tiny houses that are like 300 square feet. I just want to say that's too simple for me. And there are times when my wife just tells me, I just need to be alone, which is code word for go away. In 300 square feet, how many know it's hard to go away? It's too simple for me. I believe, I believe we are called to steward things. The Chinese say that everything you own owns you. But I also know that Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell. It's a fact of life. 
It's also a fact of life that some people make more money than others. And I, I don't want to live in a socialist country or communist country where everyone makes the same. How about you? I'd rather, Lord, bless me, and I'll voluntarily give it to you as you've put it into my hands. And so simplicity does not necessarily mean getting rid of things. But what it means is that our heart is singularly focused upon the Lord. And God, you've given me this job, and I ask for your strength, but I also ask you to give me opportunities. Thank you for the opportunity to make a living, to provide for my family. But God, would you use this in my life as an opportunity to bear witness to you. It means that, like Jesus said, that if any man would follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross, and then he can follow me. It means that we've willingly denied ourselves and divested ourselves of those things that war against our soul so that we can follow the Lord. And then supplication. Paul said, make your request be made known with prayer, with thanksgiving, supplication. I, I have to tell you, be anxious for nothing. That's hard for me. Anyone else like anyone else hard to be anxious for nothing? I mean, I'm supposed to be a guy that I can turn things on and off. They tell me I'm supposed to be able to put things in a box, shoe box, put it in the closet, turn off the light, lock the door, just leave it there, and it'll leave you alone. I, I must be half female or something because I cannot do that. Eighty percent of guys have the ability to put things in boxes. And I, uh, you know, I'm getting in real deep water here. I'm just going to back up. (laughs) It's hard for me not to worry about stuff. How's that? There you go. It's hard for me. But what I can do With my worries, I can come into God's presence and I can say, Lord, here it is, supplication. That's give us this day our daily bread. That's our prayer list of my needs and and prayer needs for other people that I'm praying for, that I'm worried about. When I come before Him with thanksgiving, thanking God in my heart, Lord, you're in control. I love you, Lord, hallowed be your name. You're my provider, you're my healer, you're my shepherd, you're my sanctifier. Lord, you're my presence, you're my righteousness, you're my banner, you're my my peace, my shalom. And I begin to declare those things. I create space in my life for God to begin to restore my soul. If I don't do that, anxiety comes like the waves just eroding away at my soul. What's going to happen if this doesn't happen? What's going to happen if that? And, but the Lord comes and restores as we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Then soul searching is another pillar of soul care. I think I sometimes believe that soul searching, well, I know it's hard to do. I think there are some, a lot of people today that that's the last thing they ever do. We live in a nation 
let me back up. What that means is to take ownership of our issues. Take ownership. Take ownership of our issues. Jesus said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It assumes that because we're made in the image of God and we're human, there are some things that we have done in error and that we've trespassed against people. That's an assumption. Jesus didn't say, if you're my follower, that's not for you, or it's just for the Romans, or it's just for that that culture, that ethnicity. It assumes, friends, that when we come before God, there's a time of confession, and we say, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me, rather than my always pointing my finger at someone else. We live in a country that is divided over finger-pointing. We must take ownership of our own issues. Jesus said that judgment begins with the house of God. And so we say, Lord, we come and we confess before you. And if we've been a stumbling block to anybody, Lord, please show what that is. And and we will make that right rather than pointing fingers at other people. That means to search our soul and let the spotlight of his spirit search our soul. And Paul said this, that when we pray with thanksgiving supplication, that his peace, which is the shalom of God, will guard your heart and mind. Because I'm going to say amen. Amen. Guard heart and mind. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need that. I need his guard to go around me. The day comes, and the same old thing will pop up. And if our soul is restored, it will allow us to drop back and look at it again. If we're running on empty, all we can do is react in ourselves. But I'm grateful that God will restore our souls. And then the third thing I want to share with you this morning is use God's Word. Paul wrote, think on these things. Verse 8, he said, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is of good report, good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So I want to encourage you to read the Bible daily. How many of you have the version Bible app? Just, just raise your hand. Let me see. That. It's, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah. And you know there's Bible plans, Bible reading plans that they have. Um, I'll, uh, Bob Litke, I'll point you out. I get notifications. Uh, regular. Bob has signed up for a Bible reading plan or a subject, and it says Bob has completed that Bible reading plan. And I get, Bob, that encourages me. Yeah, I commend you for that. So there's so many uh, things that you can do, but get the, get the, get the app, the version Bible app. It's free. You can begin to use that wherever you are. And then let the Bible read you instead of just reading the Bible. Let the Bible read you. The Bible is a mirror. And let God's Word speak to your life and read what's going on in your life. That can come through uh, journaling. Uh, How many people journal in here, by the way? Yeah. In fact, isn't there going to be a a women's group? Yes. Um, Yes, on journaling and, yeah, that's really good. I have to tell you, I'm not a great journaler. Okay, I just, I'm not. There, but 
But I will tell you that a season of my life uh, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, very, 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 very challenging. I journaled for a year and a half what God was doing in my life and just what I was experiencing. I'm telling you, I look back on that, it's like pure treasure right now that helped me get through a time when it seemed like the heavens were brass and just, just I felt like I was in an emotional aquarium and I, there was nothing, nothing was alive to me. It's a wonderful exercise. Or underlining. I happen to be an underliner. My Bibles are underlined. And meditate on God's Word. Uh, the last thing I want to share with you is to finish when you come apart is to finish with faith that God is in control. Jesus said, when you pray, he said, we ask the Lord to give us our daily bread, to forgive our trespasses, and then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, the good shepherd, uh, David, said he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I think that's a declaration of that. Lord, lead me in your paths of righteousness. And also protect me from evil. Don't lead me into temptation. As though God would lead you into temptation. But it's lead me in your, your paths. And then it ends with this. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And friends, I want to encourage you this morning that when we when we're in that prayer closet, it allows us to see and declare that God is in control. He's in control. He's even in control of those that are in control. I don't understand it all, but it brings great peace to my heart and my mind. If not, we engage in a, we think our battle's against flesh and blood, but it's not against flesh and blood. And so, Father... We pray, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise his name. Yes. What a, uh, what a wonderful privilege that God has given to us that on the smart side of our day, we can take the time to put oil in our lamp to, to start the day. Now, I want to say, you might be a person who does your devotions at night. That, that's fine. If that's what works, that's wonderful. I'm just saying for me, I know how I approach life. And I'm up and out of the chute, running often as hard as I can go. I need to stop and say, Lord, restore my soul. And God wants to do that for you and for me, for every person that's in here. Praise his name. Praise the Lord. So as a pastor... We, um, the world we live in, um, God, Jesus said in the last days that men's hearts would be failing them for fear. Um, that's a condition of the days that we live in. There, there is so much finger pointing, so much division going on. Um, there, we, we, we are so connected. There's so much efficiency that with the press of a button, we can send out uh, directives and it's on its way, and it accomplishes so much, but everything has its consequences. And it's sort of like um, when, you know, when I was a kid, we lived in town, 
and we had a push lawnmower. How, how, how many have ever used the push lawnmower, the real type, R-E-E-L, no motor, no motor. They were great for Boyertown, Pennsylvania, uh, when we lived in row homes and our backyard was like 14 feet wide and 30 feet long. They're absolutely wonderful, right? No noise, no pollution. And it was actually sort of relaxing. If the blades are sharp and right, you and the grass would come back, you know. Well, um, but most of us moved to the suburbs and got a bigger house and a bigger yard. So we got a push mower. And what do you know about push mowers? You can cut a whole lot more grass, but there's also a whole lot more exhaust. And we live in a day that we can get a whole lot more done, but there's a whole lot more exhaust that, we, that we're breathing in all the time. And so my, my prayer, my wish for you and for me and for Grace Assembly is that we'll be a congregation that is known that the Lord is, restores our soul and, and we're not running on empty, but we're following him with singleness and simplicity of heart. Praise his name. God is so good. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment?